Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. For all that he has done for us, happy to have you with us. Thank you everyone that is joining us online today, City of Life Church Online. It's a great community, people all over the world that uh, come to worship on a regular basis. We appreciate you so much. Glad to have you guys in the house. Uh, we're on week two of a new series that we just started, uh, as you just saw right there, out of the comfort zone, trying to get you shaken up a little bit. Uh, so if you planned on hearing a message that just makes you feel all warm and fuzzy today, you might have come to the wrong place, because uh, I got something for you that's designed uh, intentionally to shake you up. I believe some of the best things that we do in life are when the pressure is on, and I believe some of the best results that we get are when we're pushed beyond uh, areas that we're comfortable with. I, th- I think sometimes you can't even find out what you're made of uh, until those extreme conditions are, are put on you. And I think that as Christians, the Holy Spirit empowers us to live like that beyond our comfort zone where we actually can't handle it. I think that's what would, ca- would cause Paul to say something like, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. He's saying, I can't do this by myself. I need somebody. I need some help here. And it's him that's able to do it. So that's what I'm going to be talking about here. Uh, Just kind of side note, um, however you walked in this door today, whatever you might be going through, I understand sometimes we come to church and things seem so insurmountable. I know there are people here that are facing financial difficulties. Maybe you had a relationship blow up this week. Maybe you're dealing with something that's just stressing you out so much and you need an encouraging word from God today. I might not be talking about exactly what you're going through today, but I pray that you would learn in the process of coming into the house of God, how to take God's word in one area of your life as encouragement in another area. Uh, God can give you peace and comfort, even if it's not talking directly to what you're going through. I believe that his word can give us comfort in so many areas if we just allow it to stir up our faith. So I might not hit on your exact area today, but be encouraged with whatever you're going through today, that God knows what you're going through. He made you for this. Look at someone next to you and say, you can handle this. Come on, look at him say, by the power of the Holy Spirit. I just believe that today. I believe somebody might've been looking for some encouragement specifically today. And I hope that you're getting it right now uh, through, through this message. And I hope you get it in the bigger message that we're gonna get into right here. So it's called uh, Out of the Comfort Zone. And I'm gonna talk to you about a subject called Hard to Live today, Hard to Live, part two. Father, bless this message help every person that hears it. I pray that our hearts would be lifted up, turned toward heaven. We would dig in deeper. We would learn how to live an uncomfortable life rather than constantly looking for things that soothe us. We would realize, Lord, that sometimes you want us out in that space. We just have to look to heaven and say, God, I can't do it. Help me to deliver this in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Our series is based on Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, that says God is building a home. He's using all of us, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundations. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God All of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Look at somebody next to you, say, God is building the house. Come on, look at him now and say, and you're part of the building. So that's a big idea right there, is that God is the one that is building his church. 
He builds it with people. He builds it with people that come from places with all kinds of different stories. You didn't get here simply because you wanted to come here. God brought you here. That's what that says. It says irrespective of how you got here. Some people left your old church in a wrong way and you ended up here. Well, you're just going to have to learn how to recognize you left wrong. You, you end up coming here and you're here. You don't. And you, now you're looking up here and go, that guy's got holes in his jeans. I can listen to him. You know, so, so you're frustrated now and my, you might be looking for somewhere else right now on your phone. But the point is, if you live that way, you're going to live a very frustrated life. Because the Christian life and the church life is not supposed to be a consumer-driven life. That's what everything else is in our culture. I was talking in the last service that I, sometimes I kind of chuckle at people that are like, my phone is listening to me because it, it hears everything and it prints it out. And, it, you know, and so I've, I've always just sort of laughed at that and just been like, those people are you know, crazy. They're just like you know, worried about everything. They're paranoid. But I'm not even joking. Like Literally yesterday, I was talking to my wife about something and on my Instagram feed. I am serious. Has anyone else ever experienced this before? On my actual, it, like my phone was listening to me. It like put it on my Instagram. And I've never typed that. I've never, one time in my life. So I got a little freaked out over that. But, but like it might be true. Like those crazy people might not be crazy. I might be crazy. Uh, but seriously, our lives are so customized to what we like, that even our Instagram feed and everything, it just shows us all the things we agree with. We're never challenged with anything. We live our whole lives right here. But how many people know the Christian life is not meant to be lived right here? It's meant to be lived over here where we're constantly breathing heavy and we're constantly being challenged. And if you've ever done an elliptical or a stair climber, you know that the way they do it is uh, the most challenging settings are the one that you go down a hill. And what do you do? You go down a hill and then you get to walk on a straight pace for a long time. Then you're like, oh God, here comes the mountain. And you got to walk on the mountain and it gets harder to push it down. That's what the Christian life is all about. It's constantly being challenged, constantly being stretched. That's what I was talking about last week is making sure we don't bring that consumer spirit into the church. Because if we do, we'll just go to the next best thing. And if we do, we'll constantly be leaving and, and trying to find something new that we'll get mad at that. We'll move on and we never get the full benefit. But God doesn't call the church a place where we just do business. God calls the church. How does he characterize it? He uses the terms body and family. Yeah, I mean, my finger doesn't go, I don't like you anymore. I'm going to find a new host. It doesn't work that way. No, I'm stuck with this. I mean, you know, I'm stuck with what I've got. I've got to deal with it. And it's just like your family. You can't trade in your family. So the point of out of the comfort zone is learning how to be challenged and learning how to grow in the place that God has put you. He intentionally put you there. So let's learn how to be the community, the church that God has called us to be and stay out of the comfort zone. Constantly be challenged through our serving, through our giving, through our loving, through our relationships, through the things that we do. And I believe God will continue to cause City of Life. This is our 35th year of being a church. I believe that he will. Amen. That's, that's amazing. You know, that's why I, I and that's what I care about is, is long term continuing to bless people. I want 35 years from now, I want 
your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids to be changing the world right here out of Kissimmee, St. Cloud, Florida. I don't want them to have to move to L.A. or move to Nashville or move to New York to make an impact. We can make an impact right here where God has planted us if we are faithful and if we're willing to get out of that chair. If we're willing to get out of that chair, I do believe that greatness is always on the other side of inconvenience. It's not convenient to do the things that cause the most growth in our life, but it's necessary. So today, I'm going to talk about two things. Uh, the, the, the principle of hard to live is this. If you're living Christianity right, it won't be easy. If you're preaching Christianity right, it's going to make you uncomfortable. It's going to make people uncomfortable. So I'm going to give you two principles today that are things that are hard to believe and hard to live out in our life that make us uncomfortable if we're perceiving them, if we're reading them, if we're understanding them correctly, and if we're preaching them correctly. So here's the two things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the cross. The cross is not just something, you know, I've got this cross on and I like it. I love it. I wear it on the outside of my shirts. I think it's great. But the cross just shouldn't be something that you see and go, oh, a cross, that's so cute. Uh, no, that, it sh that should not be the feeling that you get when you see the cross. The cross is powerful. The cross is offensive. You say, no, it's not. Well, maybe you don't understand it. It's supposed to be offensive. The Bible calls it offensive. It says it's going to be offensive if it's preached correctly. So I'm going to talk about the cross. It's hard to live. It's hard to live out preaching the cross the way the Bible tells us. Then I'm going to talk about something else that a lot of Christians have just given up on. I'm going to talk about the idea of holiness. I'm talk about the cross. I'm going to talk about the holiness. Look at someone next to you and say, put that little seatbelt on. It's right there on the pew. Come on, tell them. Say. Okay, so here we go. We're going to get into it today. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23 says, But we preach Christ crucified. Okay, and here's the response to preaching Christ crucified. So what does that mean? It means that we preach that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. It is only through his blood on the cross that all men can be saved. It is not just going out there and someone saying, well, what do you believe? And you go, well, I believe God is good and he loves all people no matter who they are. And everyone finds their own way and we all get there different ways. But we get there, don't we? No, that's garbage. It's just not true. It's not biblical. There's, that has no biblical grounding whatsoever. You know what that is? That is this right here. That's saying, I don't want to be offensive. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And who am I to judge? Well, if you're a Christian, you're a person that understands the Bible. And the Bible tells us, Jesus said directly, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no man that comes to the Father but by me. There is no other way to heaven except through the person that is Jesus Christ. If there is, he wasted his blood. And he didn't waste his blood. He gave it intentionally and deliberately. So when we preach the cross, we are preaching the only way that people can be saved. You say, well, what about all those people groups that have never heard? We better go tell them. That's why the Bible tells us, make sure that you preach the gospel to every creature. You say, well, I ain't got nobody to preach to. Preach to your dog. That's a creature. That's a creature. You preach to anyone that you can preach to. You know, I, I talk about it all the time. Before I was a senior pastor, before I had a, pl a place to preach all the time, I was a youth pastor, but I just found the message in my heart. I just wanted to preach. I wanted to share the gospel with people. So you know what I did? There was no church that night. I'd go down to the gas station. I'm not even joking. 
I mean, I'm talking about every gas station in town. I mean, it was like, oh, here he comes again. You know, it was that kind of thing. I just find people who are pumping gas. I say, hey, man, can I talk to you about the Lord? Huh? Uh, yeah, do, do you know the Lord? I just want to tell you that, I, I, that God loves you and he cares about you. And I'm, my name's Jeff. I'm just want to talk to you about him right now. Do you, do you know Jesus or not? Do you even believe in God? You know, and I just learned how to share the gospel with people when nobody's around, nobody's looking. There's nobody watching me uh, except my father in heaven. And, and I learned how to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is no way to heaven except Jesus. And you know what I found? Most people have never been confronted with that truth. Most people have been told by everyone that they can do whatever they want to. And you say, well, if you talk to people that way, it's going to offend them. Actually, I'll be honest with you. The reaction I've had 99% of the time when I talk to people about the truth of Jesus is gratitude that somebody finally told them the truth. People are not looking for an easy way out. People want to know the truth that will set them free. And even if it is uncomfortable... What Christianity needs to do is not to look more like the world. Christianity needs to realize that we have are a, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a holy nation. We are supposed to look different, talk different, act different, come across different. We have a different message. Come on, is anyone in church today at the 1130 service? And if we preach Jesus crucified this way, we can't sit down in that chair any longer. No more comfortable conversations. So you're going to come to a point when someone says, okay, so I've known you for a long time. What is it that you believe? You're not going to be able to get the easy way out. You're going to have to say, I believe in Jesus. And I believe that Jesus died for me and he died for my sins. And when he died for my sins, he was put in a grave and he took my sins to the grave. And I believe on the third day he rose up from that grave, but he left my sin. He left my shame in that grave and I resurrected when he came alive. I came alive. My life now looks completely different. I'm not the same person that I used to be because of Jesus. That is the message of the cross. And it's an uncomfortable message. It's not a message that you can preach from a chair like that. Can I get an amen from somebody? So I believe that the cross is paramount. I believe that the preaching of the cross is paramount. And I believe it's really important for you to prepare yourself for the three responses. There are only three responses that we are told about in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23 and 24. It says, but we preach the, the cross, Jesus crucified. It says, unto the Jews, it's a stumbling block. Okay, so the first response, and the Jews represent religious people who think they have it all figured out. Yes. In this passage, it's talking about religious people who think they already know what it's all about. When you preach Jesus and him crucified to religious people, it's a stumbling block, and that word in the Greek is scandalon. You know the word scandal? What that word actually means is offense. Yes. So it means they get offended because their sense of religiosity is challenged. So you're going to have one of three responses. To the Jews or religious people, they're going to be offended. It says to the Greek, and this is kind of funny here, but the Greek, it says it's foolishness. And the, the word that for foolishness is the Greek word moros, where we get our word moron. So that's not two good options so far. You've got one group of people that is offended at you, and it's a scandal that you're even preaching that, and you, and you even believe that because they think they can earn their way to salvation, or my way is better. I don't like that cross message that he's preaching. The other group of people that don't believe at all just simply think you're an idiot. And I mean, I've experienced this a lot. I've preached 
to people before, told them about God, and they're like, really? You actually believe that? You believe a guy came up and like was dead and came alive? And, and I could just tell there's just a condescending kind of vibe there. And so I've experienced it. They think you're a moron. But then the third option, it says, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, it is the power of God. It's Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So to the ones that are going to believe it's salvation. So only three options, either offense, you're an idiot, or I needed Jesus my whole life. Thank you for sharing it with me. I'll take those three out. I can handle someone being offended at me. I can handle somebody thinking I'm an idiot if it leads me eventually to being able to preach the gospel to people who say, thank you so much. I needed Jesus. I want Jesus in my life. I can live with some people being mad. I can live with people looking down at me. I can handle that. Why? Because I don't have to live my life here. I can come over here and live out of my comfort zone and preach the cross of Christ. And it can mean something. The cross should mean something powerful and significant to us. The place that Jesus had to go to suffer for my sin. That's more than just a pennant that you wear on your necklace. That's something more powerful. When we see the cross, we should have a reaction to it. We shouldn't go, oh, that is so cute. We should have a reaction, an actual visceral reaction. I mean, think about it. What kind of reaction do you get when you see the cross? Do you get the same reaction that you get if you were to see an electric chair? Or a needle for lethal injection? Or a guillotine that chops someone's head off? Do you get the same thing? Because that's what the cross is meant for. It is an instrument of execution. And we should remember every time we see a cross that it is that instrument of execution that Jesus willingly gave himself upon that we are able to attain salvation. The cross should be meaningful to us. And that cross will never be massively accepted by everyone. It will always be a place of offense that we have to get ourselves out of that chair in order to live that way. Jesus' whole life caused offense. The cross is, is offensive. It causes scandal. Think about it. Jesus' birth was a scandal. You say, how was his birth a scandal? Well, I mean, when an angel comes to a, a virgin woman and says, you're going to be pregnant with God's baby. And you go, okay, um, I trust you. And then you're engaged to a dude and you're hanging out with a dude. You're trying to figure out how to tell him. And he goes, Mary, I noticed you've uh, put on a few pounds lately. And you're like, oh yeah. Um, I forgot to tell you this angel came by and I'm pregnant with God's son. And can you imagine the faith it took for Joseph to believe in this? He's like, okay. Uh, you, you have to really have a lot of, lot of trust uh, to, believe, to believe that right there. But he did. So that's scandalous. So the scandal in Jesus' birth, scandal in Jesus' ministry. Think about the time that Jesus was telling people who he was. And he used what biblical scholars and, and, and traditional, traditionally in the, the Torah was called the tetragrammaton. When he said, I am, when he referred to himself and said who he was, the way he said I am is he was saying I am Yahweh. He was saying I am the one that was, that is, and is to come. He used the holiest name that you could use about yourself. It was totally blasphemy in that culture to do that. But he had the right to do it because he is God. But it was complete. It was so scandalous that people started picking up rocks and literally trying to kill him on the spot. He had to use his superpowers 
to, to disappear from among them so they didn't kill him because it wasn't yet his time. That was very scandalous. Oh my gosh, and the cross, talk about scandalous. The cross was a place that was resented by everyone. You weren't even, as a, as a Roman, you weren't even allowed to say the word cross. It was so disgusting and vile, just the concept of a cross. It was scandalous that God became a man. It was scandalous that perfect holiness became sin. It was scandalous that a one-time sacrifice by an innocent man could cause freedom for any, everyone that puts their faith in him. And you're saying the cross is not supposed to offend? It should offend. We can't live our life with this brand of Christianity where we're never willing to talk about the difficult things. We've got to get out of this chair. It's hard. It's one of the reasons I wrote my book. Did you know that when I wrote Jesus First, Jesus Always, when I was talking with the publishers of the book, they said, you do realize by having the word Jesus on the cover of this book that it is going to drastically change your sales. Is there any other like approach, you know, we're creative. We can come up with a different way of, of saying it. And, and I mean, the, the point is, I'm sure we could have come up with a, a, a very creative, great way to say it that would reach people. But at the end of the day, what I, what I thought is, well, I mean, even if we change the name, they're still going to read the book and they'll be offended once they open the pages. So why not start from scratch and run everybody off that's not interested in finding out the truth to begin with? This is, and the point is, I'm just trying to get myself out of the chair, just like you we got to figure out a way to stop trying to avoid the inevitable. And the inevitable, the inevitable is this. No matter what kind of relationships I build with people, there's going to come a moment where I'm going to have to talk about my faith, about the cross, about what it means. So why put it off? Let's do it right now. Why wait to the introduction? Why wait to chapter one? Let's put it on the cover of our life. Let's put Jesus and the cross on the cover of our life. So everyone that reads the outside goes, really, this is what they're all about? Jesus first, Jesus always. And you just right off the bat get to go, yeah, that's it. So let's just deal with it. The gospel is scandalous. The cross is scandalous. But what I love about it is it's irresistible to the ones that are called. It's irresistible to the ones whose God, God's hand is on. So I just encourage you today, get out of your comfort zone when it comes to the cross. Get out of your comfort zone when it comes to the name of Jesus. Get out of your comfort zone with, when it comes to what you believe. People say, well, what do you believe? Don't say, I believe that we all end up in the same place. It's just not true. Uh, don't say, well, I believe that, you know, there are special sets of circumstances for this person. That No, say, I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. And I also, him, and I also believe it's my mission and my purpose in life to tell as many people as I can about how good God is so that they can also be saved and come to the, to the knowledge of Jesus themselves. Can I get an amen from someone here today? <laughs> how are you doing online there? So blow, blow it up. What do you do these days? You click hearts or something? Click a bunch of hearts right now if you're feeling good. Type amen in the chat there. We're, we're happy to have you on here today. The next thing I want to talk with you about, we've got the cross. Okay, we've got another subject that's so foreign to, to modern Christians that you might not even know what it means, but it's the word holiness. Okay, holiness, if you mention that word, uh, holiness, instead of picturing a life that is flourishing and looking like Jesus in everything we do, we think of religious, judgmental people that are looking down their noses at people that they don't agree with. That shouldn't be what we think of when we think of the word holiness. People that are looking down at everybody. Maybe that's because our idea of holiness comes from previous generations' misinterpretation of what the word is actually supposed to be. 
So the concept of, of holiness in the past has been more omissive holiness, which is the holiness of what you don't do. I don't cuss. I don't drink. I don't flick off the person that is in front of me that just got the, the green arrow to turn left five seconds ago. I don't flick them off immediately. I don't do this. I don't do that. So omissive holiness, <laughs> omissive holiness is more of a focus on what you don't do rather than active holiness. Active holiness is living the life that we're called to live. It's helping the poor. It's praying for the sick. It's encouraging people that are broken in their spirit. It's wrapping our arms around people that don't have it all figured out and saying, you know, I'm going to love you right now. And God's power is going to rescue you in the middle of your burden and your circumstance. It's bringing the hope of Jesus to the hopeless. It's doing so many things that we're called to do that we don't have time to do the things that we shouldn't be doing. That's really what active holiness is all about. It does include omissive holiness which is refraining from doing certain things, but its focus is on actively representing who Jesus is. I think that's why this word is drastically misunderstood. And we can find out about what holiness looks like by 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. And it says this, prepare your hearts and minds for action. Okay, it means we got to get ready to go. Get your heart ready, get your mind ready to do what? To have action. See, I said omissive and, and active holiness. So holiness is something that we step into to live this active life that God has called us to, not just to refrain from doing bad things, but to actively do the good things that he has called us to do. And it says, uh, get ready for action. Stay alert, sober-minded. That's why it's so important for us to be able to think clearly on what God has called us to do and fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. For when Jesus Christ is unveiled, a greater measure of grace will be released to you. This is so good right here in verse 14. It said, as God's obedient children, never again shape your lives that you followed when you didn't know better. Look at someone next to you and say, I didn't know better. Or I would have worn something different today. No, I'm joking. No, the point of I didn't know better, I didn't know better means that back in the past when I made all those stupid decisions about my life before I knew Jesus, I really didn't know better. But once you've experienced the transformational power of God's love in your life, something happens in your heart and you can never go back. Verse 15 says, instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. For scripture says, you are to be holy because I am holy. See, we live in a culture right now who preaches a message of individualism. As a matter of fact, to my staff a couple weeks ago, I, I talked on, on Tuesday and I just felt this phrase pop up in my heart. Uh, just, I started talking about it. I called it the institution of individualism. And individualism is the idea that be yourself, do whatever comes to your mind, follow your own truth, Whoever you feel like you are, you just go for it. Lean into it as much as possible. Don't try to be like anyone else. Don't let anyone influence what you think. And it, it kind of creates this idea that whoever we naturally are is this unbelievable, excuse me, that's not COVID, it's just too much talking. Uh, it's, this, it's this amazing, awesome thing, just being an individual. Don't be like anyone else. But what happens is when you get a bunch of people, the reason I say the, the institution of individualism is it's this 
thing that you just feel in you and no one's like you. But what you find out is you go, don't listen to the people that believe the Bible. Be exactly who you want to be. Do what you want to do. Follow your own truth. Then you meet someone else and you say, and you follow your own truth and you follow your own truth and you follow your own truth. Then you go, what's your truth? And you go, wow, that's very similar to my truth. We should meet this Tuesday night at 7 o'clock and invite as many people as we know to talk about that individual truth. Well, no longer is it individual. It's become an institution. So what happens is it's, it's really ironic that people follow this individualism because there really is no such thing as individualism in, the, in this way. And if there is individualism in this way, it's not even a holy biblical principle because we just read the Bible says never shape your lives by the desires that you followed when you didn't know better. Just because something is naturally there in you doesn't mean it's right. You say, well, it's here. I feel that I should do this. Well, I feel like I should punch you in the face, but I'm not going to. Because that, that is an old desire that, that was in me before I knew Jesus that on a daily basis, I'm joking, I'm joking. That on a daily basis, I had one guy going, you know, I'm not going to punch you, sir. Uh, if you keep looking like that, I might. But no, I'm kidding. I'm joking again. But that's the old, that's the old life that I've got to deal with and get that old coffee filter if you're a coffee drinker, you got to take that old coffee filter out because it'll become moldy, right? Yeah. you got to put a new filter in. you got it out with the old, in with the new. Just because something comes out of my heart doesn't validate it and make it right. Can I get an amen from someone here today? And I think that's the problem with holiness is we have, our culture is telling us whatever we feel, just do it, just share it because that's, that's the best thing. And, and I think we're giving honor and credence to things that don't have biblical or spiritual value. We're told to shape our lives differently. 1 Corinthians 6, 11, as a matter of fact, says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God, washed of what? Sin. There's another word that we have to get on this thing in order to say in our society, sin. If you don't talk about sin, you can sit here all day. But when you begin to talk about sin, what is sin? It's a lifestyle. It's something that is opposed to God's purpose for human flourishing in the world. God has a standard of perfection. And you say, well, well I've sinned and you've sinned and everybody's sinned. Well, you're, you're actually quoting the Bible. Romans chapter 3 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. Yes, we have all sinned. Absolutely we have all sinned. And it is likely that we will sin again. But what is wonderful is that according to the scripture, justification frees us from the penalty of sin. Sanctification frees us from the power of sin. And someday in heaven, glorification will free us from the presence of sin. But while we're here on earth, we have to remember that we are justified and we have been sanctified and sin no longer has power over us. Come on, give him a shout of praise, those that are in the building. Sin has no power over me. Absolutely no power over me any longer. And, and we can talk about struggles. We can talk about difficulties, but be very careful that we don't fall into society's trap and obsession with realness and rawness. With what do they call it? Uh, vulnerability. And what's the other one? 
Oh, no, no, no. What's that? What? Hold on. I wrote it down. I like it. Oh, authenticity. That's the one right there. Authenticity. I, I'm going to be authentic. Authentic message warning. I'm going to be authentic today. Vulnerable message warning. This Sunday, I'm going to be vulnerable. And so what we've done is actually created this thing where we put more of a premium on authenticity, on vulnerability, on real and raw, than we do holiness. So actually what you can create by worshiping people who are real and raw is we create a culture where no one cares about holiness anymore. They care more about frankness than they do about holiness. So it takes the pressure off of anyone to do what the Bible has told us to do, which is to be a reflection of Christ. I got news for you. If you have no problem telling everyone everything you do wrong, yeah, I cussed her out and punched her right in the face. Well, that's called brazenness. That's just boldness that you don't even care about what your problems are. Don't confuse real and raw with holy. And don't tell me that you can't be vulnerable this is some good stuff right here, right? Don't tell me that you can't be vulnerable and authentic and holy. Why? Because Jesus was holy. And I believe Jesus was also vulnerable. And I believe Jesus was also authentic. And he said, everything that I do, you're going to do and even more than that. So don't tell me we can't do it. Because Jesus did it. He is our example. So don't get, don't get caught up in this thing that you can't be holy. Your holiness doesn't come from something amazing that is innately in you. It's the opposite. Yeah. It comes from something that used to be completely alien and foreign to us. Yeah. That God deposited into us by the person of Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit that we have every day. That's why Paul, I said it earlier. That's why he said, whoa, it's no longer Jeff that lives, but it's Christ that lives in Jeff. It's not me. It's not you. Don't even look like me. It's him every single day. We can be holy. We can. And, you know, Christians have sort of morphed into this thing where they're, they're all caught up in this authentic, real, raw. I like him because he's broken. I like him because he's. There's nothing wrong with being real, raw, vulnerable, you know, uh, authentic, broken. All that stuff is great. As a matter of fact. David said, a broken and a contrite heart, oh Lord, you will not despise. I believe those things are all necessary, but don't trade them for holiness. They, they are not mutually exclusive from holiness. You have to have them with holiness. Christians are writing books, right? I just looked at some books recently. Here's the kind of books people write. Messy spirituality, death by church, Jesus wants to save Christians. These are some actual church names. Scum of the earth church, salvage yard church, uh, blogs, Christian blogs, dirty, rotten, messy Christians, websites called Modern Rejects, Church Marketing Sucks, Recovering Evangelical, Wrecked.org, uh, with, with famous blogs called A Hot Mess, Muddling Through, My Broken Heart, My Wreckage. My God, this is some depressing stuff. I get it. Hypocrisy is gross. It's disgusting to meet Christians who look down their nose at everyone and, and judge everyone and don't want to embrace anyone. They act like they're perfect, but they're out doing things behind everyone's back that is the opposite of what they're saying. That is horrible. It is awful. We should never embrace it. We definitely should never do it. But what we should do is with a humble heart, 
We should strive in our lives to make sure that we look as much like Jesus as possible in every way. And that when we meet people who have, first of all, there are people that live holy lives. Everyone is not a hypocrite all the time. There are people that live godly lives. When you meet someone and you say, hey, did you see this show? And they say, no, I don't really watch things like that. You don't have to go home and go, they're they're such a judgment. Be quiet. You don't know what God has told them they can and cannot do. You know, the Bible tells us pretty clearly. I mean, the book of James tells us, and, and, and think about this. It says, whoever knows what is right and does it not, to him it is sin. I'm not saying there's a sliding scale in general for sin that, being, you know, this is to sin to him, but it's not sin to me. I'm just saying, be very careful. The, it, the, Paul also talks about, be careful that your liberties do not become a stumbling block to someone. That means if you are able to do something and God does not check you about it and it, it's, it aligns with scripture, it's not anti-scriptural, maybe you have some liberty in your life that you do and you're able to keep serving God and being holy and passionate while doing it, Don't always take that thing and share it with someone who's more vulnerable than you because it might be a stumbling block to them, even though it's not a stumbling block to you. So be very careful in your life that you don't look down at people who have limits on what they're able to do with their lives. They may be living in complete holiness to God. And I'm gonna tell you this, here's another beautiful way to look at holiness. It's worship. Every time that you abstain from something that you could have done, Every time that you don't do one of those things that you could have done, that is worship to God. No one may see it. No one may recognize it. No one may pat you on the back. You know, you could, I mean, my, my parents have never used bad language. They've never said mean things about people. I've heard people rip them and say some of the worst things in the world. They could just as easily go right back at them uh, and, and, and use any of that language, but they don't. Why? Because they live holy lives. And every time they have not done that, God has blessed them and received it as worship. See, I'm the opposite. I got to learn from them. One time I was standing back there at the back door right after I got married. And there was this guy that was really mean to my parents. And he left the church and said all these mean things about them that just wasn't true. And I'm shaking hands and I get mean sometimes. I got to work with my old spirit. But I mean, he, he walked up, he goes, hey there, Jeff, looks like you've packed on the pounds. he was a little balding. I said, yes, but I've managed to retain my hair. Oh, that was so mean, wasn't it? I'm just being vulnerable. I'm just being real and raw. I could have gone, I could have gone, you know, on saying things like that, but I went home and I thought, okay, Lord, I probably shouldn't have said that. It's probably not the right thing to do. But abstaining, I may have got my shot right there in that moment, But doesn't the Lord say, let me defend you? Isn't it better always to step back? I could do that all the time with everybody. I've got a response when I think, when people say things, it's not that I can't come up with something. I come up with something like anyone else, but I don't wanna live my life defending myself. When I've got the defender of heaven that stands behind me and everything I do, holiness is letting God take over and take control for the big things in our life. And he receives it as worship. So let's get out of our chair. Can I get an amen from someone? Let's get out of our chair. Let's get over, out of the comfort zone. Let's preach the cross. Let's live the cross. Let's preach holiness. Let's live holiness, not according to our own goodness, but the power of God that is in us every day. And let's move on to the next level. Next week, I'm gonna talk about hard to give and the following 
week, I'm gonna talk about hard to love. And uh, that's gonna wrap up our series, but I hope this has been encouraging to you. I hope it challenges you uh, to live the life that God has called you to live this week, amen. Uh, I got uh, just a couple more minutes. I got one more thing I'd like to say to you. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, I'd like to ask everyone, bow your head and close your eyes right now. Those of you that are watching online, if you could do the same thing as well, as long as you're not driving, uh, listening to this podcast, don't close your eyes in that situation. That'd be detrimental. Uh, but here today in the room, I'd like to ask that if you don't know Jesus and your life is not right with God, maybe you've never said, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. You've never acknowledged that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. If you've never really done that to God, this is an important time for you to do that here in the room and online. I'm just simply going to count to three. And, and there's nothing that's not in the Bible. Even the way I'm praying this prayer is not in the Bible. It doesn't say, you know, have them in, bow their heads and raise their hand. It doesn't do that. It does say that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. I like to count to three because I think there's some things in life that deserve a response, that deserve to be put in front of us. And we make a decision about it, a decision to say, that's not for me, at least not right now, or to say, I'm ready to make a decision. I believe this is one of them. So when I count to three, on three, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand in the air. If you're watching online, on three, I want you to type in that chat, I need Jesus, or click that tab at the bottom that says, I'm raising my hand. I believe God's gonna do something profound in your life. Here we go, one, the Bible says now is the time of salvation. Two, I believe every person here has been drawn here by the power of the Holy Spirit for this very moment. Three hands lifted all over the room, if that's you, all over the building, hands going up in every single section, many, many, many hands all over the building. Thank you, Lord, for these hands. I'd like to ask you to repeat this with me out loud. Say this, say, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. I'm turning away from the old life, walking into a brand new life, walking into with you, Lord. I will never be the same. I thank you for the cross. Through Jesus, you have given me a way to live a holy life. Help me live outside my comfort zone. And Holy Spirit, empower me to honor you all the days of my life. I'm sorry for my sins, but today I can walk out of here free in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God a great praise today. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.